guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday episode of the show. Draft Dudes is brought to you by Built Bar. The chocolate chip cookie dough is now available. Remember, promo code Locked On gets you 10 bucks off your first order from BuiltBar.com. Kyle is joining us from the great outdoors today. Good morning, Kyle. Yeah, good morning. It's a beautiful morning here in uh, northern Delaware. I got my little space heater behind me, so it's heating up my back. I got the sun out of my deck. It's beating down on my front. I'm getting toasty on both ends here. So if, if this is Kyle's best performance ever, it's because he's recording from his deck. Have you ever done that before and didn't tell me, or is it just something you know? No, this is, this, is a, this is a first because, okay. you know, I only got really got the deck, like, last, I guess it was last end of last summer I got it. Yeah, you're always on it, always. I'm on it now, yeah, but, like, not for recording because yeah. the mornings haven't been friendly for outdoor recording until now. And we've we recorded a podcast on my deck one time, right? Like it's a true. joint joint effort. Yeah, we had to share share like a single microphone, pass yeah. it back and forth. If people only knew what it took to put on a podcast when you were in the same room, it's almost easier when we do it, in, you know, seven hundred miles apart. It is unquestionably easier to do it remotely <laughs> than to guys, do it together. We're sitting there snuggling up, trying to freaking record definitely not social distance whenever we're recording together but. no it's like you take a deep breath you go in and you talk and then you exhale and you turn your head away and <gasps> gasp yeah. for breath because yeah, there's like no new button. talk one at a time yeah it's terrible <laughs> awful uh, i'm sure we're doing it wrong i'm sure someone's gonna follow up with us like hey guys if you'll just do these two things you you'll yeah, be change able- your microphone setting it'll go 360 <laughs> instead of just 10 <laughs> degrees of picking up the audio yeah you dumbasses we, we like to make it difficult all right. Well, speaking of difficult, there could be some difficult decisions to be made here as we continue talking through. Look at that, Kyle. The 2018 first round and the fifth year option decisions that are coming for these football teams uh, after the season. We rip, we rip through the first eight picks on Monday. We did takes on takes yesterday. Today, we're going picks nine through 16, talking about that. the dynamics of these players and uh, the implications of picking up that fifth year option and uh Hopefully everyone listened to the Monday show so they can know the uh, criteria in terms of what it takes for these guys' options to get picked up. And what the stipulations are for what levels of their options there are. We will say this, uh, Joe, you and I are projecting each of the first eight picks should have their fifth round options picked up. I know that you you had a little apprehension with Bradley Chubb, but I'm, I'm rock solid at it. And therefore, uh, because you still said yes, and I was an emphatic yes, all eight of the first eight picks, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold, Denzel Ward, Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Josh Allen, Roquan Smith. We pr- we are thinking each and every one of those guys will get their fifth-year option exercise based on what they are eligible to get. Yes, and the fun comparison there is in 2017 and 2016, each had 14 get declined. So we'll see where we fall. In the, in the entire first round. In the entire first round, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we'll see where we, we get uh, on this. So um, remember, I think the big thing is these fifth-year options are guaranteed fully, not just for injury. They're fully guaranteed. And we'll get into the financial implications as we go through each player. But first, Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle for the 49ers out of Notre Dame, pick nine overall. Good football player here, Kyle. I think one of the, uh, the cornerstones up front for the San Francisco 49ers uh, really good fit for that zone scheme. He's good in pass protection. 
Um, it's interesting. Sounds like he's going to stay over there at right tackle a little bit, right? We thought maybe he would slide over once Joe Staley retires, but you bring in Trent Williams and guess what? You're staying at right tackle, but hey, that's working out for him. And I really feel like he's emphatically on this course for this to be picked up. Yeah, I don't think there's th- this should not be much of a debate, uh, in my opinion, especially with them bringing over Trent Williams. So you got to you replaced an older guy with Joe Staley with another older guy. Uh, obviously, Trent Williams, it sounds like he's going to play uh, this year on the contract that he has. Right. They're not not talking about an, an extension or a renegotiation of his deal. Uh, so from a financial implications perspective, they're just going to have to protect themselves. Uh, but McGlinchey hasn't made a Pro Bowl yet, so even if he makes the Pro Bowl this year, he's only getting the transition tag cost, correct? Yep. yep. And that's the average of three through ten. Uh, ten highest paid. Ten salary. highest. The average of the ten highest. Yep. So and Larry Tunsil screwing everybody. <laughs> yeah, just like C.J. Mosley at linebacker. It's like, okay, you're at 18. The next highest Holy is like 15. Tunsil got 22 average, and the yeah. next highest is Lane Johnson. And we knew it was bad, right? Because it's literally like they reset the market by almost 25%. So what was Lane Johnson at? 18. Oh, geez. And then the next highest is 16 and a half. And wow. Tunsil's at 22. Okay, so. So Tunsil, Tunsil boned this value by like a million dollars by himself. Well, offensive tackles across the world thank him. Well, but I mean, that's this will probably end up being if he made the Pro Bowl, the transition tag cost, it'll probably be somewhere around 14 and a half million for his yeah. fifth year option. Probably be closer to 10 if it's the average salary of uh, the uh, three to 20, right? So if he doesn't make the Pro Bowl, it's the average salary of the third to twentieth highest paid offensive tackles in football. Three is three is sixteen and a half, and twenty is Andrew Whitworth, who's getting ten million. Okay, so what? So probably it'll 12, probably 13? be yeah, between twelve and thirteen. So, like I said, Tunsil's bowing everybody by like a million dollars. But in either case, you're you're bringing back Mike McGlinchey. Yes, I'm top. picking I'm picking that yep. back up. Yes. Yep. Now, who I'm not picking up? This next guy, <laughs> quarterback Josh Rosen. Arizona Cardinals slash Miami Dolphins slash wherever he's inevitably going to get traded to next, uh, probably for a day three pick at this rate. Um, Rosen's, he makes sense for the Dolphins to keep this year and next year because the Cardinals already paid like the guaranteed portions of his salary. So they're, Miami's really only paying his base salaries. And that's, you know, very cheap amounts of money but if you get into a fifth year option like just the quarter the cost of quarterbacks is so high that there's a zero percent chance even if the Dolphins wanted to milk this like the best way Josh Rosen gets a fifth year option picked up is he gets traded this summer goes somewhere wins a starting job plays well yeah and then convinces a team with uh but even then even then it's it becomes fully guaranteed yep and you're you're, not you'd be doing it off a one-year sample size like no, there's no way. There, I've just talked myself into it. There's a zero percent chance Rosen gets a fifth year option exercised, even if he goes somewhere and plays lights out. It's going to be well over twenty million for his fifth year option. You're not paying that to QB three or your QB two, right? Not paying it to Josh Rosen at all, based on what he showed, and it's disappointing because we both like Josh. I liked him a lot coming out, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it, it, you know, I think we weren't aware of some of. Uh, 
how not pro ready he was. <laughs> right. Versus the narrative that he was just extremely yeah. intelligent. And he's, he is extremely intelligent, but the dude had, has, is on like seven offensive coordinators in six years now. Yeah. He's, he had never been asked to identify mics and set protections and make changes and adjustments at the line. Like that's what pro ready means. Right. Right. So like you're a traditional drop back passer who has not not been asked through three years at UCLA <laughs> or one year at Arizona with the Cardinals to do any functional operations at the line of scrimmage at all. Yeah, that's a problem, because, you know, typically if guys come in and they don't have that kind of exposure, they have athleticism to fall back on to make dynamic plays happen. Well, Josh doesn't have that. Right. In the harsh reality with the five quarterbacks going in the first round in 2020 is we we knew we knew at the time that all Law five averages. weren't gonna, yeah they've just right. all weren't going to be these dynamic franchise quarterbacks and so the first one feels like you can write off is Josh Rosen now he's still a young player he could turn things around but let's be honest it's not looking good for Mister Rosen I think this is the first uh, obvious no that we've got to here Mika Fitzpatrick Kyle I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Uh, Plays for the bum. Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a bum. Uh, really good player last year. Um, so, bad attitude. <laughs> uh, uh, hate has no fuel quite like a uh, a player that spurns a team and winds up being a good player somewhere else, but there's always those bad feelings. Uh, you know. That's the amazing part is he, he had the gall to complain about how Pittsburgh used him at the end of the year. Oh, he had a it's like oh, brother hell of a year do you, do you just want to be the defensive coordinator while you're at it like do you know better <laughs> than everybody and at all at all things yeah yeah it was really great to play single high free safety for six games but then i really wanted the coaching staff to move me around so i could make more plays that's what miami wanted to do with you and that's what he complained about at miami yes yeah he just didn't want to be on a losing team all right so end of the day this is uh Good for, I mean, he had an amazing season last year, uh, created did. a lot of turnovers. And so I'm sure the Steelers are very excited about having him and how he'll continue they to evolve be. with this offense. And he's already made the Pro Bowl, so he's at the transition tender. So at a minimum, Kyle, uh, this guy gets the average of the right. 10 highest salaries for his position. If he makes another Pro Bowl, it's the average of the top five players at his position. Now, safeties aren't that expensive, but decent chunk of change heading to Minka. Well, what's interesting is this is a it's a pretty big jump. It's it's almost two million dollars. Okay. As far as what the transition tag to the franchise tag is, so that's well, I want to know the five, top five highest paid safeties in the NFL are and what their names are. Okay. My producer is going to pull that up. I just had the um, the tender costs up. Oh, okay. So the top five highest paid annual average salary safeties in the NFL. Yep. Okay. Yep. Eddie Jackson is number one at 14.6. Okay. Brand player. Let's go. Kevin Byard is two, 14.1. Okay. The Honey Badger is three at 14 million. Okay. Landon Collins is four. Yeah, he got paid 14 a ton. Million? They paid him a 14 ton. Million? Yes. What are you guys doing? Redskins, man. At five is Earl Thomas at 13.75. All right, so he's getting. But he's getting 14 if if he makes another Pro Bowl and then, I don't know, what, 12 probably? What's 10 getting? 10 is 10.5. Yeah, so he's, he's going to get like probably north of 12 mil no matter what here for his fifth year. 
Well, here's the interesting part. There's a two and a quarter million dollar drop off from Earl Thomas at five to the next best safety at six. Next Big highest drop. paid safety. Devin McCourty. Yeah. Okay. But even like Anthony Harris and Justin Simmons are on here too. Those guys are franchise Fran- tag guys. Yep. So when they so the, then this will go up based on next year's or twenty twenty one figure. So once those guys get paid, it's going to be even higher. Yeah, that's that's well, that's how this stuff goes though. So. He, but he's he's worth it. Mink is worth it as far as what he can do in single high, what he can do when he decides he wants to in versatility and playing man to man coverage and. Uh, still needs to get the, t- the tackling cleaned up a little bit. Uh, I know it was a problem his rookie year in Miami, and I know you saw, I think it was Kyle Juszczyk, I know you saw that play where he got, Minka got hip-tossed by Juszczyk, right? Yeah, he did. He's PFF credits him with 10 missed tackles last year, 14 in 2018. Okay, so he's moving in the right direction at least. Yeah. But that, I mean, if I was going to sit here and nitpick in, in his game, that would be the one area that I would say, like, yeah. If you can get better there, then you're just going to be an absolute star. And he's already a star impact defender in, in back-end coverage. So Hard guess on picking up the fifth-year option for yeah, me. Right? It doesn't really matter what the cost is going to be for him because he, he makes the impact plays and turnovers and coverage and, and frees up so many other guys in your secondary to do so many other things, right? That's right. All right. Vita Vea. Vita Vea. Number twelve overall selection. Um, this one was this was a trade back, right? Yeah, with the Bills, uh-huh. mm-hmm. they got two, like fifty two and fifty three from the Bills to move from seven to twelve. That's right. I remember that now. Yep. And do you remember we were in Mobile? Do you remember this? Yep. And we were talking, and we were like, so like, we were talking to somebody who's who's kind of in the know on Tampa Bay, and we're like, so like. Who are the likely picks for for Tampa? And like the names we got were Quentin Nelson, Saquon Barkley, Vita Vea at seven. Mm-hmm. And obviously it was like, all right, well, like if one of those guys is there, then they'll they'll gobble that guy up. But we were like, Vita Vea at seven, really? And then they moved back, they picked up two picks in the early fifties, and they still got Vita Vea at twelve. A job well done by Tampa Bay to finesse the board. Yeah. Uh, listen, Vita turned it on this past year. He looked like the player he was supposed to be this past year as far as his dominant play. And obviously having Dominic Kunsu next to him was really helpful. But you look at the way the Tampa Bay defense played over the course of the last eight to ten games of the season last year, and he was a force. If he comes out and he does that again, I think he makes the case. You know, he hasn't made a Pro Bowl. So... You're talking salaries for him. Let me pull it up. Defensive tackle. Because they don't sort by, like, nose or anything like that. Yeah, right? be defensive tackle. Now, here, I, I've talked myself into another issue here. Because he plays nose, do we know what his snap counts are? Yeah, so I was. that was what I had in my holster. Last year, dude, he paid, played 66% of the snaps for the Which Buccaneers. Good. It's good for a nose. Oh, that's but it ain't, it ain't. extremely high, though. It ain't going to help you with getting seventy five percent two out of three years. Oh yeah, so he's he's gonna he's gonna be in the three to twenty five range because unless, he didn't play fifty percent his rookie year, right? No, forty seven percent. Yep. Yeah, so he's he might get the fifty percent across three seasons though, Kyle. No, he didn't. 
because he missed fifty percent. Oh, it's average across. Yeah, so he's yeah he'll he'll hit that. Okay, so then he so he'll get three to twenty five. You said he'll get three to twenty five. Yeah, or so three to twenty. Three to twenty. Three to twenty. Three to twenty. Uh, Fletcher Cox is three at seventeen one, and twenty is Linval Joseph at eight and a half. Right. So you're probably looking 11, 12 mil for Vita, fifth year option. Yeah. You know, if you if you got a nose tackle who could push the pocket and who's going to play two thirds of your snaps, yes, he's worth Dude, that. What did Jordan Phillips just get? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we talking about here? You want Vita Vea all day long over Jordan Phillips. This, I mean, he's Phillips shown growth. 10, Phillips got 10 mil. Yeah. For. <laughs> Yeah, Vita Vey is a way better football player. He's younger. Vita, yeah, I mean, he's he's trending towards a yes here. I feel pretty good about him based off his play last year. It's just like, have that yeah. repeat performance. You don't even have to play 66% of the snaps, big guy. right? But he did, and he earned it. And No, I mean, like in 2020, he doesn't right. have to play 60%, 66% of the snaps. Yeah. Can I say this? Uh, I've I've never felt... Since working in football media, there have been two occasions where I felt like the smallest human being on the face of the planet. <laughs> O.J. Howard and Vita Vea? The, the first one was interviewing O.J. Howard in full pads immediately after the Senior Bowl. And the other one was standing next to Vita Vea in the Indianapolis Convention Center bathroom at the sinks. <laughs> and it's like he's literally blotting out the lights from the ceiling and he's standing three feet to my right. So and it's to... like I'm washing my hands and it's like the mirror in front of me is just Vita Vea and I can't see his head. I can't see his face. It's like his shoulders down to like mid thigh. And it's like you are just the craziest proportioned biggest human being I've ever laid eyes on. But Kyle, this is significant because they're both Buccaneers picks. How did you feel next to Tristan Wirfs? Have you ever stood next to him? <laughs> No, I've, I've never oh. stood next to Tristan Wirfs. All right, well, whenever you have this emotion again, let us know because that's the lock for the Buccaneers' first-round pick. Oh, I see what you're saying. This yes. is an indicator. This is a huge indicator. This is the stuff that, you know, makes you great at mock drafts, you know? Big, big human beings. <laughs> Relative to the way they make you feel. Relative to the way they make you feel. Does he make me feel small? Yes, yeah. yes he's a buck. Lock it in. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know how scientifically solid this this hypothesis is, Joe, but I can tell you scientifically built bar is the greatest thing to happen to the human race. These Strong. protein bars are phenomenal. Proud sponsor of Draft Dudes in the Locked On Network. And you know, we have told you guys they sent us these sample boxes at the the beginning of the month to to let us experience the product. And I'm kinda if I had a single bone to pick with Built Bar, it would be you guys sent us sample bars and then debuted a bunch of amazing flavors like the next week. So now I have another order coming in, Joe, because they are that good and I cannot wait to try these, these flavors. And we are going to, at the end of the summer or at the end of the month or whenever you want to do it, we're going to stack big boards on, on Built Bar yeah. because – you know, from a nutritional standpoint, there's some wizardry going on here. You're talking 110, 150 calories a piece. 
You're talking one-seventh the amount of grams of sugar and carbohydrates and more protein than an average protein bar. And these things eat like candy bars. So if you're listening to the show, promo code LOCKEDON gets you $10 off your first order of Built Bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, and get yourself a box. Find out what all the fuss is about and save yourself 10 bucks in the process. Joe, I'm going to kick it to you here for Deron Payne. Yeah, like Deron Payne, good football player, but I'll be honest, I kind of forgot that he was like the 13th overall pick in this draft. I mean, right. good for him. Yeah. Uh, but he's he's been he's been really rock solid for the Washington Redskins. Um, I like what they have brewing up front. I mean, with John Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, got these edge players in uh, Ryan Kerrigan Chase and Chase Young, Young and, uh, of course, Montez Swift. Swift. So this is just part of their, their group of stallions up front. And um, – you know, if you're not familiar with what's been happening with Deron Payne, he's been a good football player. Uh, really appreciate his growth, particularly as a pass rusher. He's been the run defender you think he would be coming out of Alabama. They always have good hands and, and good leverage and technique for stacking up the run. But uh, he's he's shown that he can rush the passer as well. So here's the thing. Is, is, is he a dynamic, uh, like, top player at his position, top 10, 15 player at his position? Maybe not, but he's been close. And um, I think he's one of the key cornerstones up front. Now, with that said, you're, this is going to be a situation for Washington where eventually, like, you can't pay all these guys big contracts, right? It's just going to be too much money tied up in one position group. But Payne's been a good football player for them. He's been an ascending football player. But I don't know, like, is is this the guy that you're going to commit this type of guaranteed money towards? Or is it something where, hey, our best chance might be able to get a more reasonable long-term extension put together, or is he a guy that you let walk? It's difficult because he was a top 15 top uh, player in the draft, but is he that impactful might be the bigger question. Well, they've already made a commitment to Ioannidis, right? And Mm -hmm. I I don't want to put them on the same plane as far as what their physical upside is, but Washington between Kerrigan and Chase Young, and making an, uh, a contract extension with Matt Ioannidis and Montez Sweat being a first, like it, at some point it becomes a numbers game, right? Yeah. It's hard because I I don't I think his play and his ceiling and what he value he provides is worth exercising the fifth year option, but you're going to have to right. make some difficult conversations elsewhere along the way. I would say this, if I was in Washington's shoes, if I have a player whose play warranted exercising an extra year of control, I would not just punt on it. That's a good point. There's no reason to just punt because you're, you're surrendering yourself leverage from an opportunity to then say, okay, now that we have you under control for the fifth year, Let's ask ourselves, what is the best course of action forward here instead of just saying, well, you know, financially, that's a lot of money. I don't think we necessarily need to bite off more than we could chew. So we're just going to decline your option and let you hit free agency. It's the same. It's the same financial implications as Vea, who we just talked about. And, you know, Payne's 77% of the snaps in 2018, 67% uh, uh, last year, and he missed a game last year. So I think that. He is, and and you know Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, they're going to rotate players in and out, but he'll be a key guy up front, man. It's it's a it is one of those things where you drafted this guy, he's played well for you, he's he's earned it. 
I keep that control. I think that's the best way to to put it and uh, continue to see how things evolve. I mean, you know, how much longer is Ryan Kerrigan going to play? Is that a situation where that money comes off the books and you feel like, all right, well, now we feel better about giving this money to Deron Payne. Right. And it's more kind of heavy fronts. And, and with Chase Young having the versatility that he has, they at least have some flexibility to go a number of different ways long term. Yeah. And, you know, Ron loves those uh, multiple heavy defensive tackles, heavy hitters at defensive tackle, because they did that for a long time in, in Carolina, too. Yeah. Star and in, in, in short. And so they. I mean, they. So they we're going to put the Ron down for a yes. I think so. I think it's OK. So we are. Uh, 12 of our first 13 picks, we think yes. Mm -hmm. But it's going to get rocky here. Right about now. Why don't you go ahead and talk to us about Marcus (laughs) Davenport. Why why me, Kyle? Because I know you you were the one who literally fought with Saints fans for like three months after that pick. And your point was you don't invest two first-round picks in a player that's not going to help you win a Super Bowl in year one. And while Marcus Davenport has good tools, and we both generally liked Marcus Davenport, we both, I believe we both had him top 50 player. Correct. His pass rush palette was not at a place that was going to allow him to shine early on in his pro career. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we saw play out. Who do you think the leading sacker from the 2018 draft class has been so far? TJ Watt. 2018. 2018. Watt was 17. Um... Remember, Brad Chubb was picked fifth. Marcus right. Davenport, 14. Right. Who do who did we always say? Well, if you were going to take Marcus Davenport and trade two first-round picks to get the 14 for him, you could just draft this player at your original spot. Uh, Harold Landry? Uh, Harold Landry's uh, second at 13 and a half. There's still another player that has more than him in this draft class. Sam Hubbard from the, from the oh, Bengals, geez. 14 and a half. Didn't really? have to give up two first round well, picks for that hold guy. On. That's not fair because he got like 12 of those against the Dolphins. <laughs> Did he really? One year. Sam Harvard's a good player, year. man. Every time I watch the Bengals play, that dude, that dude gets after it, man. Uh, all right. So, yeah, here's the deal with, with Marcus Davenport. He's not been terrible. Okay. When he's been healthy and able to help this football team, you know, he's 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 been a meaningful player for them. He's had some injuries already, and he's not lived up to trading multiple first round picks for that's the stuff you do for Khalil Mack, not for Marcus Davenport. And so uh, the injuries, the fact that I think at times Trey Hendrickson's played better than him, he's part of a good defensive line. And like, and he's not even playing that often. Like he's, he's paid 40% of the snaps in this first year, 50% the next year. And he's missed six games. Like he's, he'd really have to crank it up this year it would have to all come together, which may happen because we said he's got every ability to be a dynamic player. It would just take time. And maybe this is the year where it all comes together. And you know, he has that Pro Bowl year and he gets paid the average of the top 10 salaries at his position for the fifth year option. And you say, man, we got to have this guy. But like at this point, based on what he's shown, you're not thinking about that fifth year option. He has to go and prove it this year. Do you have any pass rush productivity metrics on him on hand? Uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. What do you want to know? I'd be just be interested as far as like what his win rate is as a rusher. So he, he had twenty he had twenty six pressures according to Pro Football Reference. Which year? In two thousand nineteen. Great. And so, he played fifty or fifty percent of the snaps, but it doesn't split it into pass rush reps or not. Yeah. So PFF has him credited with fifty one total pressures in twenty nineteen. Oh wow! At, in three hundred and fifty five pass rush snaps. 
for what's the what's that productivity rate? I I don't I don't have that. Oh, uh, they don't do that math for you? No, you gotta do it yourself. Fifty one pressures and three hundred and fifty five pass rush snaps. What do you do? Divide three fifty five by fifty one? Correct. No. Fifty one divided by three fifty five. All right. That is fourteen percent. Okay. That's not a bad that's not a bad pressure rate. That's a huge discrepancy though, right? Like fifty one compared to what did you have it at? Well, maybe it's um, they had it. At, they had it at twenty six for Pro Football Reference, but it might be twenty six plus knockdowns, which is eight, would be thirty four. Plus the six sacks he actually got was forty. Plus they then had him at sixteen other hits, which would be fifty six. Yep. So that, that's a, and the pressure number from PFF combines all of those items. So yeah. All right, so Man, we're pretty why, good. Do, why are you presenting information like this? Are you gonna make me add and Joe divide? This is a recipe. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, 14% is not bad. That's what I'm saying. Is like he's he's made an impact, but the injuries have been a problem. They were something to be mindful coming out of UTSA. And he's always gonna have that label of carrying the cost of two first round picks. Now the Saints have done a good job of finding value in the draft. They found Eric McCoy, they found Chauncey Garner Johnson. But you know, well, I guess what, guy? what shouldn't be slept on here, right, is is as of right now, he's on pace for what, three to three to twenty for his snap counts? If he's gonna get average of fifty percent across three seasons? You think so? I mean if he stays healthy this year, he'll have a chance at that. Right. Which so you you're talking but it's three to twenty five or three to twenty? Three to twenty if he does get the fifty percent across three seasons. Okay. So you're talking eighteen million to twelve million. He have to he'd he'd have to hit sixty percent this year. So you I mean you're you're talking fourteen mil. Yeah. Probably. Did the Saints even have that? No, they don't. That's the <laughs> other interesting layer. Right? Is it's like and they'll they'll manipulate the cap if they need to, but like even if they exercise the option, I don't know. Somebody's going to have to go. Well, yeah, and they they pushed a lot of Drew Brees' money into like when he's retired, right? So that doesn't help him. You know, it's not like Drew Brees retires and everything's fine. Like, so the, I mean, that that might be a decision that's made for them. If like he comes out and he plays okay again this year, you know, if he's getting you know twelve percent pressure rate and he he finishes the year with like five or six sacks again, like. I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's not worth signing myself up for yeah. a fully guaranteed two years. That's going to come in over. It's going to be an average of over $10 million a year for the next two years, because his fourth year converts to guaranteed salary and he's getting a fully guaranteed 20, uh, 22 salary. You think he's got a better chance than Bradley Chubb? No, no, neither. no chance. So where, what, what is our decision here? Let's put him for a no, just, just for the law. I mean, mathematically speaking, We've seen 14 guys bite the dust each of the last two years, right? Yep. This will be our second. And there's, I mean, there's some landmines here in the back half of this first round, but the teams generally did a good job early on finding good values. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's put them down for no. All right. So we got two no's today. Colton Miller time. Tackle. Colton Miller time. Offensive tackle. The, the stunner of, of the first half of the first round. Right. Yeah, but then we've 
remember all the stuff came out that this was like somebody Gruden knew for like a long time or something. That's mm-hmm. ties to him in high school or whatever. He mm-hmm. got better in year two, man. He did. He played a lot better uh, for the Raiders. Um, I still think that he has more to do in terms of cementing himself as a, as a first round caliber offensive tackle, especially top half of the first round. Um, but one thing that I do think comes into play here is, is the money that the Raiders have in their offensive line. I mean, Trenton Brown's getting paid a bazillion dollars, right? They're getting big money to Gabe Jackson. Richie Incognito's not cheap. Rodney Hudson's not cheap. Like you've got some, you've got some dynamics here with what you're paying your, your offensive line that come into play. And maybe they'll, you know, move on from Gabe Jackson, which was something they rumored. And they've been drafting a lot of different offensive linemen that could, you know, eventually come in and fill roles. But I think the first pick of John Gruden's tenure with the team, like I, I feel like he's going to want him to stick around and, and you like the growth from year one to year two. Yeah, he's definitely trending in the right direction. He played a lot better. Uh, he has all the physical tools. And I think the, the, the rumor mill with Gabe Jackson is pretty telling as far as uh, if so, if they were going to play a numbers game and somebody was going to have to go, it's probably not going to be Colton Miller. Because, I mean, let's be honest, with the offensive tackle talent in the AFC, is Colt Miller making the Pro Bowl this year? No. Colt Miller playing for the Las Vegas Raiders is not going to make the Pro Bowl this year. So he right. is going to get 3-20 to 20 for offensive tackles. That, A, helps in that he's not getting in, influenced by the Laramie, the Laramie Tunsil deal. Right. So, <laughs> so you're talking 16 and a half to 10. You're, you're talking 12 $13 million. You know, yeah. same, same thing we're talking about for Mike McGlinchey. Like, what did Humphreys and, get, right? Like, I mean, like, DJ Humphreys got a nice big deal. When he DJ never... Humphreys got 14 and a half mil. So, yeah, I think you're getting, you're paying him less than that, right? Right. And, you know, Jack Conklin's in that same range. Um, Donovan Smith's getting 13.75. Donovan Smith's getting more money than Trent Williams and Russell Okun. Makes sense of that. And Teron Armstead. <laughs> Teron Armstead, what? What the hell is he doing there? This is a little bit like the pain discussion, right? Where like playing well for you, if nothing else, you kick the can and buy yourself some more time. But I think the fact that he was an original pick, the first pick made under John Gruden, like predictively, I think that he's absolutely on pace to get this thing picked up. Yeah, I, th- I think he's the, – the Raiders are a team that thinks that they can compete. You're not going to give away a left tackle. Right. That that value is too high. They'll move on from Gabe Jackson before they. Right. They'll move be- on with an interior guy before yeah. they move on from an offensive tackle. Yeah, a young offensive tackle who's athletic in the air is pointing up in the right direction. Last one today, Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He made the Pro Bowl, but as an alternate. So Kyle, <sighs> I did the math on this because this was my discussion for Lockdown Bills today. If he uh, doesn't make the Pro Bowl, the tag's going to be ten point seven million. If he does make the Pro Bowl, it's thirteen and a half million. Tremaine Edmonds is. Um, developing wonderfully in Sean McDermott's defense. He's making splash plays. He's uh, getting the mental side of the game down. I think he's only 22 years old. <laughs> he's got two years of starting experience under his belt. I think he's the – he's. The, I don't want to take this the wrong way, but he's the, Le- the Luke Keekley player for for Sean McDermott in Buffalo. And I think you know they love his leadership. He was a team captain at 21 years old in the NFL for a top three defense. He's not going anywhere. I don't want to talk about it. Why not? Do you know where I had Tremaine Emmons on my board? We both year? had him three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Well. It's a great there, football player. There's Miami Dolphins players that I like a lot. Yeah, like the quarterback. 
Yeah, I love Tua. I love Christian yes. Wilkins. I love Michael Dieter. It hurt me, though. It hurt me to see him go to, to Buffalo. Why? I love the – when the Dolphins pick Christian Wilkins, I said, that's exactly the type of personality and player you want in year one of your rebuild to really just be the culture guy that's going to set the tone. I don't want to root against one of my favorite defensive studies <laughs> Do you think I'm rooting against Christian Wilkins? I don't, two times I, a year you are. Do you think are. I'm rooting against Tua? Two times a year you are. I want the Bills to beat them, but I'm not sitting here like hoping Tua's a bust. Well, I'm, I'm, I would never sit here and hope that either, but like – I want to be able to watch every single game Tremaine and its plays and be like, dude, you are a unicorn. It's so amazing. Like, I'm so appreciative I get to watch you play. And now it's like, dude, you are a unicorn. Stop wrecking my shit. <laughs> no, it's it's a very tongue-in-cheek compliment that I will take from you. Yeah, there you go. That's it. We're done here. <laughs> first two, first half of the first round of the 2018 NFL draft is in the books. Uh, Joe and I today predicted two non-fifth-year options to be exercised. And with the next 16 that's coming up over the course of the next two days, spoiler alert, you're going to get a lot more than just two. So this is going to be some interesting conversations, some interesting player case studies to talk about. So make sure you hit subscribe. Come on back and see us. Uh, Draft Dudes, sponsored by Built Bar, signing off for the day. Thanks, as always, for listening. We hope to see you tomorrow.